You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Pestilence. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program today. In the wake of COVID-19, I thought it might be appropriate to share with you on the subject of pestilences and draw from it some thoughts of special importance from the Bible. But first, a story from my youth. Many of you already know that I grew up in the country. On one occasion, we had two young lambs that had been rejected by their mothers. These lambs were hand-reared and were, at least until they were able to find their own food, fed from a bottle. Of course, they were always hungry, and my mother was their main carer, although she preferred not to have to look after these insistent lambs. Because of that, she named one Pestilence, and the other Tribulation. I'm happy to report that the lambs grew and were eventually integrated into the flock. Just like the lambs imposed themselves on my mother's normal life, so other issues and unwanted problems seem to have a habit of imposing on people. So it has been with the coronavirus. There have been similar significant plagues and pestilences in past times. I want to share with you about some devastating plagues that have claimed many lives during the late 19th and 20th centuries. Over 800,000 people died of cholera in Europe, Asia and Africa from 1899 to 1924. Over 1.5 million died of, of encephalitis worldwide from 1915 to 1926 and worldwide up to 100 million died from a Spanish flu over three years between 1918 and 1920. Asian flu killed 2 million people during 1957 and 1958. 500 million died of smallpox from 1877 to 1977. HIV AIDS has been responsible for over 32 million deaths since 1960. In 2018, the World Health Organization listed 10 major health threats that may take the lives of many in current and immediate future times. Number one is flu. WHO warns nothing about flu is predictable, including how and when the next pandemic will emerge. Number two is conflict, that is war. Conflict not only kills many but destroys infrastructure, health, food, and medicine supplies besides other things. Number three is cholera, a bacteria that kills about 100,000 people annually. 
These victims are usually part of communities weighed down with poverty and conflict. Number four is diphtheria. Diphtheria vaccines are readily available, but the disease is making a comeback in countries with poor health care provisions. Number five is malaria, killing up to 400,000 people annually, and that's mostly in Africa. Number six is natural disasters such as landslides, hurricanes, heat waves, earthquakes, droughts and floods. Number seven is meningitis, infecting mostly Africans. Of the approximately 34 million people with this disease, 10% will die from it. Number eight is yellow fever and similar viral fevers such as Ebola, Marburg, Crimean Congo, Rift Valley, Lhasa, Dengue and Hantavirus diseases. Number nine is malnutrition, affecting again mainly Africans where at least a million children die annually because of lack of adequate nutrition. And number 10 is food poisoning. Each year, 600 million people fall ill from food poisoning and over 400,000 die from it, and that's about the same as from malaria. It's not wise to be complacent about diseases, even in Australia, a relative prosperous country with a good health care system. As we have seen with the coronavirus, with international and domestic travel, infections can spread very quickly. A few years ago, I heard a scientist being interviewed on radio about natural disasters. He said the frequency and intensity of natural disasters has been on the increase. When preparing for this program, I've done some research to see if his statements are true. And I found a graph prepared in 2019 by the Geo Risks Research NatCat service. The graph showed a steady increase of natural disasters from 1980 to 2018. And here are the figures. For the last year of each decade, and I've rounded them off to the nearest 10. And these are a summary of all the worldwide natural disasters. In 1980, there were 230 natural disasters. 1990, there were 390, and that's a 160 increase in 10 years. In 2000, there were 500 natural disasters, which is an 110 increase on the previous decade. In 2010, there were 550, that's an increase of 50. And in 2018, the last year for which I could get the figures, there were 820 natural disasters, which is about a one-third increase. In just under 40 years, the number of natural disasters has increased by 
350%. It would be fair to say that this planet we live on is in serious trouble, and according to current trends, things are going from bad to worse. Now, for what the Bible has to say. The key scriptures about the state of the world in modern times are Daniel chapter 12 verse 1 and Matthew chapter 24. We read in Daniel chapter 12 verse 1 and it says this, At that time, and that time is referring to the time of the end of the world, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. Summarised, what Daniel said is that social and physical conditions on earth will become much, much worse than ever before. And then in Matthew chapter 24, we read what Jesus said in an answer to a question put to him by his disciples about the end of the world, which will occur at Christ's second coming when he comes to collect his saints, his faithful people, to take them back to heaven. And I'll share with you verses 3 through to 14. And here's what the Bible says, Matthew chapter 24. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So let's itemise the different things that will happen. There will be widespread deceptions, wars, rumours of wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, persecution of God's people, killing of God's people, turning away from the faith, increase of hate, false prophets, mass spiritual deception, increase of wickedness, decrease of love, 
widespread preaching of the gospel. And I don't think this list is exhaustive. Dear listeners, we must realise that many of these disastrous happenings have occurred in the past, but according to earth scientists and social scientists, it is still happening and is happening with greater frequency and intensity. So how do you relate to such disasters, pestilences and plagues? Do you say to yourself, oh well, that's life, so what? Or perhaps you wonder how you might be able to survive the present crisis and some future ones. Some have made preparations for a Holocaust situation, building bunkers stocked with supplies of food, water, generators and fuel. Maybe you've wondered, what will be next? The question that is probably the most significant is, where can I find safety amongst all the trouble that the world experiences and is likely to experience? My friend, safety is not found in a place or equipment, but in a person. Safety is to be found in the Lord. Psalms chapter 46 verses 1 and 2 explains, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. King David, the third king of Israel, second king of Israel, I mean, was a musician. He composed lyrics and music, and many of the Psalms are about his experiences. Here is one of many poetic proclamations made by David. It's from Psalm 18, verses 46 to 49. He wrote, The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my Saviour. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. Therefore I will praise you among the nations, O Lord. I will sing praises to your name. David experienced hardship and privation. For a time he was a fugitive hiding in the desert and mountains when the jealous previous king, Saul, sent troops to capture and kill David. There were times when David was without resources, no food, little water, and each moment of the day he feared for his life. While the chips were down, when there appeared to be little hope, he turned to the Lord. Others, like David, when all available resources had vanished, put their hope in the Lord. And I'm going to tell you about one of those straight after the break. Soft as a voice of an angel, breathing a lesson unheard. 
Well, I'm going to tell you about Job. No, he did not suffer through a pandemic. However, his children, flocks and herds, his wealth, his health, were swiped away in moments. While suffering extreme physical pain due to large boil-like sores covering his body, his wife, in pity for him, exclaimed, Curse God and die. Job replied, and what he said is recorded in Job 13, verse 15. He said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And then he added, But I will maintain my ways before him. Job was faithful to God and intended to stay that way even to the point of death. But isn't that a bit silly? Isn't life more important than anything else? I want to share with you the words of Jesus on this issue and you might be very surprised what he said. And it's recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said, The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am my servant will also be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. But hadn't Jesus gone a bit too far when he said the man who hates his life in this world will keep it? Are we to go about hating life? No. God gave us life and he wants us to be holy, happy and healthy. Sometimes the word hate in the Bible means to give a lesser priority. What Jesus meant, therefore, is that there is something of greater importance than life. What? Well, Jesus explained in what he said. It's this, whoever serves me must follow me. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Well, how then does someone serve Jesus? Well, the answer is by giving him first priority, by believing in him, by believing who he is and what he did for us. It is in obeying him and living a lifestyle where he is first, last and best in everything. But what is the payoff? Again, Jesus gave the answer. It is eternal life. Now come back to that earlier question. Isn't life more important than anything else? Well, the answer, according to Jesus, is no. When one considers the few decades of life that we have here on this troubled and decaying planet, compared to the joy, peace and happiness that awaits God's faithful people, what we have now is of no comparison. It's almost like someone exchanging a palace for a bent pin. We have examples through history 
of those who suffered persecution, imprisonment, privation, torture and even death, who regarded their present lives far less important than eternal life. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is about people who were faithful to God. Many are named, but there are others who have not been named. And I'll read to you from verse 36. Some faced jeers and floggings, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended by God for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, that together with us they would be made perfect. Throughout the Dark and Middle Ages, millions and millions of God's faithful people were prepared to lose their lives because they realised God had something much better to give them. And here I digress a little bit. When someone dies, he or she does not go straight to heaven. Like the people mentioned in Hebrews, they have not received what God has promised. They are as if asleep in death, awaiting Jesus' second coming, when there will be the resurrection of the dead, and at the same time we will be given immortality, then and not before. Well, that pestilence, the coronavirus, has killed many people. It is something to be feared. And because of that, it's important to take appropriate cautionary actions to prevent its spread. But as I understand my Bible, much worse is yet to come. And that's quite frightening. But what is even worse is if, is if someone dies and is not a follower of Jesus. At one time, Jesus was talking to the people about life and death, and his words are recorded in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through to 36. He said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet loses his own soul? And here, listeners, is the challenge. Here is a contrast between someone who wants to cling to the pleasures and comforts of the here and now, and someone who chooses to follow the Lord and to be given eternal life. There is no doubt that many have lost their lives due to pestilences and other disasters, but of more importance is how they lost their lives. Did they have the hope 
of eternal life or not. When you have to lay your burdens down, will you have the blessed hope that has been the hope of faithful Christians throughout the ages? In my own case, I intend to serve the Lord to the end no matter what. Then, whether I'm alive or not at the return of Jesus, I will be called to spend eternity with him. My prayer for you, dear listeners, is that you too will choose to serve the Lord, to be faithful and obedient, and then you will be given the crown of life. Then there will be no coronaviruses nor any other viruses to kill you. Your choices today will determine your future destiny.